Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. What do you mean you don't remember? It's me. Oh, come on, give over. It hasn't been that long. It's a podcast, we do a podcast. We we meet here every Thursday, remember? And we have the conversation. The two-shot podcast. Oh, come on. You do. Over a hundred over a hundred episodes we've done. Come on, we've been through it all together. That's the routine. We meet here on a Thursday. We have the conversation. I ask you how you are. Well, oh, I don't know. Uh, what can I do to jog your memory? Um, give, me some, give me a second. Let me have a think. Okay, try this. How the devil are you? There you go. You do remember. I was a bit worried then. You might sort of hurt my feelings. You're running off with another podcast. I mean, look, there's a plethora of podcasts out there. You're more than welcome, but you always come back to us, you know? But I'm pleased you are. I'm pleased you're here. And also, I'm really pleased to be back. I mean... Yeah, we needed a break, we need to have a bit of time out, sort of have a bit of R&R, but I've missed it, I've missed you. How have you been, genuinely? What's been going on? Are you good? Been staying out of trouble? That's good news. Well, look, we are counting down to the end of the year. And I can honestly tell you, the next four weeks of episodes that are in the bank, that are recorded that are being edited as I talk this intro through are quite exceptional, um, really incredible people. And what's going on the first week of December, I'm back off up to where? Where, Craig, where are you going? Where have you been all year, Craig? Manchester. Yes, I'm in Manchester for the first week of December. And myself and producer Griff have got... Some incredible people coming on. Um, not a lot of actors. I'll tell you what's... I can't tell you who, but I will tell you. I've got some very interesting stand-up comedians coming on. I have a chef coming on. Um, I have got the lead singer of a band coming on. Um... And I've got uh, a beloved actress of the North coming on. So, yeah, I'm really thrilled. I'm really looking forward to that week. It's going to be fantastic. Um, So what I've got to tell you... Ah, Now, speaking of Manchester, if on Saturday you were there at the Pods Up North conference, festival, conference, what do you call it? Let's call it a conference. Anyway, it was the first ever Pods Up North 
conference. And big shout out to Ants and Vic and Kate and Charles who put in so much time organising that day. I mean, there was so much going on. I was only there for half of it. And it was going on from 9.30 in the morning till like 6 at night. And there was just loads and loads of people there talking about how to start a podcast, maintaining a podcast, monetization, your audience. And um, I kind of, they asked me to sort of end the day really with a with an interview. And I had a lovely conversation with Elizabeth Alka from Radio 3 and BBC Radio 6 Music. And she just asked me lots of lovely questions and we had about 45 minutes, which seemed like 10 minutes. So if I saw you there and I met you, uh, I had to dash off, but uh, it was a pleasure to meet you all and it was a really interesting day and I know that they've got big, exciting things planned for their second year next year in Manchester. So um, also I need to give a shout out to them because they are going to put out certain things from that day as a podcast. So keep your eye out on your feeds for Pods Up North and uh, yeah, give them a listen because I think they're doing some really interesting stuff, and it's really helpful, and it was lovely to meet so many other uh, podcasters and uh, people from Acast and Audio Boom. Uh, yeah, it was a great, great day. Uh, what else? Not a lot. Have I been busy? Yes. I have. I'm, at the moment, I'm just looking in my front room, and I'm basically swimming in a sea of cardboard boxes because I've done what is a very stressful thing. As we all know, we've all done it. I've moved house and uh, you might feel that I'm talking slightly quieter than normal. Uh, It's only because uh, my little boy is in his bedroom and he's fast asleep. So I'm trying to record this intro as quietly as I can. Um, So we're going back in. And you may think, oh, Craig, you're going to put out uh, a lovely, light, frothy, funny comedy episode uh, to ease ease us back in. Ease, no, we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing that. We're going back in with probably the most raw, honest, dark conversation that we've had but it's a conversation that really needed to be had and it's an episode with the actor Joe Tresini now as ever I'd been in conversation with Joe trying to organize a date for quite a long time and luckily the stars aligned it was half term so I had to bring my little boy with me into Soho don't worry he had his headphones on nobody calls social services um, because what we cover in this episode, and I need to say this, if you have been affected in your life by addiction to drugs, alcohol, or you're suffering with any sort of mental health problems, or mortality, more importantly, um, suicide then these are subjects that come up on this episode. I need to give these trigger warnings because if you're not in a good place, I urge you, maybe just park this episode for a bit. You know I do this when certain episodes could spark things and I'm not professional 
I am just a, a podcaster who's learning to have a, co- a good conversation. I'm learning the art of conversation. That's what I'm doing. So if anything, if you're affected by anything or have been affected by anything, then seek help. Have the conversation because people want to listen. They do care about what is going on with you. Don't shy away and don't think you're the only one because you're not, all right? There are so many charities and organisations that you could turn to. Pick up the phone. You could speak to the Samaritans. There's always somebody there. What about um, that? one of the charities, Calm or Mind? You know, sometimes we can't speak to our friends about this, but we can speak to somebody anonymously. You don't have to give your name, but it's a good starting point, all right? So... Joe came to meet us in Soho and, I mean, you'll hear at the, even at the very start of the conversation, he he was nervous about coming on and being so open and I will say that this episode did really affect me. Uh, it took me, I mean, I still, I, I still think about it, but directly after um, we hit the stop button. I just had to walk to the other side of the room and I could feel myself sort of well up with emotion because I'd been on this journey with Joe and it is a journey and you're going to go on it right now. So just... I don't know what to say. Just strap in. If you're feeling strong, then you should listen to this. But it really doesn't pull any punches. I have to say that. There, we deal with very, very dark issues, but it is all this young man's life of what happened, and it's important that we have this conversation, and I know that he wanted to talk about it, otherwise he definitely wouldn't have come on, and you'll hear me during the episode, I'm constantly making sure that he's okay with where we're going and what we're talking about and the barriers that we're breaking down. Okay, well, we should get into this, shouldn't we? Look, uh, I'm sorry for sort of wanging on there. I just needed to really think about what I was saying before this episode starts because it's very important that you understand where it's coming from, all right? Okay, and you do, you do, don't you? Of course you do. Anyway, I'm so pleased you're back, and I'm so pleased we're back. Let's do this. This is episode 105 of the Two Shot Podcast. It's a very brutal and raw, honest conversation with the fantastic and very beautiful Joe Trasini. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. Have you stopped? Six years. How many did you smoke when you were on them? Mm, I would say tw- a good 20. Yeah. Do you miss it? No. It's, that, it's this, isn't it? Not I, at all. If I didn't have this, I'd be knackered. Yeah, I mean, it's just a nice... gets you through. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you're working and... But I don't see a lot of people smoking nowadays, really. No, no, I don't... I think it's getting through to the people. It's, what, it's a good 11 years it's, it's been since they, the van came in, isn't it? Is it? Is it that yeah, long? it must be. My were mum you... still smokes, and mm. I do, you know, sometimes look at her and think, why are you doing that? Were you a heavy smoker? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I was a heavy everything. Yeah. Um, I, but I'd never, ever wanted to stop cigarettes, so I, I, was, I was fine with it. I thought, yeah, it's not. I enjoyed smoking. Did it not affect your chest and things like that? Because I know it's like if I was at the gym and I was running or doing something, I would go, oh, when, yeah. I feel very tight. I don't I, like it. I never physically exerted enough for right. that to be an issue. <laughs> so that was quite a nice... It didn't bother me too much. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it was just, I, I enjoyed the break of my own as well. It was just a good way of getting out of conversations. If I was someone that I didn't particularly want to be, just, oh, go for a fag. Yeah. I was smoking alone for the majority of my time doing anything. It is a good get-out clause now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And now, you haven't got that anymore, so I... I'm just, just stay in conversations that yeah, I don't want to be But then sometimes if you're places where they go, oh, I don't really like you doing it inside, you've still got your get-out-of-jail-free card that you can get yeah. out of yeah. any tricky situation. Yeah. Are you good in situations like that, in so, you know, social situations? It depends what day it is. It what, where, where you are in yeah. that day? I'm, I can't network. Oh, shine. Sorry, man. Thank you. I can't network for me to save my life. I can't any sort of, like... Business career chat, I can't. I've never ever ever been able to do them, so I don't like them. I don't. Um, Which they're very specific things, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Anything where there's there's like three boxes of wine and stuff like that. That's I, I I hate it. I don't like it at all. I'll always go from the beginning of a party and then get off after about forty five minutes, then leave it until later, and then um, just sort of be surrounded by sweaty people that I don't know or like. Oh, and they're kind of worse for wear as well, which yeah. is not conducive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it does, it always kicks in about 90 minutes in. You get yeah. to that point where if people were sober and then you, they saw you there, nobody cares, but then you get to a point of drunkenness that they're not going to register when it was that I was there or anything. Yeah. So it's just one of them things that you see, it depends who you're with and, what, and why, but, yeah, <laughs> no, I try and stay out of it as much as possible. <sighs> so we've got a lot to talk about, really, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. Was that a hot coffee? I kept, that was hot. It was a lot. <laughs> I to it. Just for those listening, Joe just took a big slurp of his uh, double espresso. I think it was a bit too hot for his little throat. It was. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. It's just, it, yeah, I burnt myself. Look, we're not... I'm nervous. It. Are you nervous? I'm, I'm nervous. I am. Well, you're not alone. Everybody... This funny thing is, I was talking to somebody the other day about this, about coming on here and about nerves. They're either nervous like now yeah. where you are when we're just kind of starting and or they feel fine and then it's after we stop recording they go what did i say yeah and then they're nervous again a few days before it's going to go out yeah 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 i mean it's i hadn't really considered it being um so i hadn't thought about it i suppose when it would that's, all, that's the only thing I can do to c- control anything at this point is tell you that I'm nervous. That's all I can do. And then it doesn't necessarily make the nerves go away, but when I haven't got an answer to something, I just tell you, and then I'm not on my own. Well, that's all right, because it's just all about honesty and yeah. kind of getting it all out there. Yeah. And the one thing I've, I admire about you is that you do seem to put it all out there, and it is very honest Thanks, in what mate. you do. And, and it's admirable. Thank you. And it obviously helps you. Oh, absolutely. It really, it definitely helps me. I, I think I, um, I stopped myself talking about it publicly for a long time because I knew that I would, um, uh, I knew that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. 
So I was, I, I wasn't necessarily moving myself over along in my life. So I was like, oh well, now's the time to do a blog. Yeah, and and but I stopped myself for a long time, just knowing that it was a responsibility to take on. I can't, you know, I mean, if you, I'm mental, I, I'm, I'm quite open about the fact that I'm mental. I would not come to me for advice about shopping, let alone life things. And I know that there's a responsibility that comes with uh, talking about things publicly mm. um and because it's going to affect other people that's it and uh, i don't people just are just listening now i don't want you, them to think and i know you're not using the word mental in a frivolous manner at yeah. all you are generally saying that you do have the, the mental health problems absolutely yeah, yeah and it's quite a specific one that you do have that does what what is the name it's, of it again? so the personality disorder i've got is called uh, emotionally unstable personality disorder um, and it's uh, sometimes known as BPD, which is borderline personality disorder, um, which is, it's, yeah, I, mean, I describe it as a, it's a pound shop bipolar because it does most of the same stuff, just some of it's a bit shitter. And right. uh, so it's one of those things that it took me a long time to get diagnosed with it. Um, and then even when I was, I was like, yeah, OK, uh, but I still have to take responsibility, you know, because, you know, it make, it, it, there are a lot of really dick moves that I've done in my life. And I'm sure you know, 95% of them I wouldn't have necessarily done if it wasn't for the, having that thing in my brain. Um, but I think that I have to take responsibility for that still too as well because I can't... If I don't take responsibility for something, if I blame it, then I can keep doing that thing and blaming the other thing. Yeah. Even if it's not my fault, even if the thing that I've done is it's absolutely not me and it wasn't... If I don't pick it up, I can't let it go. So I... I'm so aware of that, you know, all the time. As in, and you're hyper aware of it. Yes, yeah, right, yeah, and hyper aware of like me and myself in sort of situations and and that sort of thing. How did it first manifest itself to you, or, or what was your earliest memory of it? My earliest memory of it. It's a bloody good question. Um, my earliest memory of of this specific thing of of this on its own was in 2000 and I suppose 14, 15 maybe. Right. Um, and that's because I'd stopped doing drugs, I'd stopped drinking and it was, uh, uh, it was a time when I didn't have anything else, the normal things that I've done in my life. There are thousands of times that I've told people I'll, give, I'll stop this and meant it and they're not. Um, but... There was... Oh. I'm just taking time here because I'm letting you think and pause and I don't want you to feel Thank under you. any no, pressure no. and there's no rush because we've got all the time in the world that we Thank can you. to talk about this. Thank you. I know. And, yeah. Thank you. And indeed, if there's certain things that you don't want to talk about, we don't have to go down that avenue at all. No. Do you know I, what I mean? I do. I, I, I do. I, and I really appreciate it. I think it's it. important that people know that. Yeah. Because you know, everybody who's, and you know, over a hundred of these episodes yeah. that I've done and the one thing that I do pride myself on is that I want people to know that they are under no pressure and it is a total safe space to talk yeah. about anything, you know. Absolutely. And I know that we're going to be talking about things that are difficult not only to vocalise but also for people to hear because they may 
um, connect with things that they hadn't thought about before, you know? Yeah. And I think that's yeah. vital and important. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank okay. you. I, I mean, I try, yeah. Yeah, thank you, mate. I mean, I wouldn't be here if it didn't, uh, there's not, you know, I, I wouldn't no, I I completely know. trust you I, I, and yeah. I trust the show and all of that. Um, well, I'll tell you what, let's, why don't we? Why don't we go back and start, start at the beginning and talk about childhood and then we can lead up to certain things because I think maybe we might have... Go on, yeah. ...dived in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> quite a, quite a, an explosive time in your life. I kind of live in that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we should build yeah. up to it. All right, all right, let's so let's that. Let's, um, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about growing up. So I... From what sort of age? Let's talk about... Because um, I remember, I remember, yeah, I remember quite far back. I was okay. born in Yarmouth. Yeah. And um, I... How long did you stay in Great Yarmouth for? I think I, it was until about 1994, I think, 95. It was until my sister, my, my, my little sister was born in 95. So I reckon it was about 90, 93, 94 right. sort of time. Um, and, yeah, we came back to Kent. My mum's side of the family are all in Kent. And... Um, and yeah, I, I yeah, I, I was never a big fan of um, people my own age. Like when I was when I was a child, I used to look at other children and just be like, "Why? What? I've got nothing in common with you." There is as nothing. in you just couldn't connect. No, nah, couldn't. Would it, would it be the older children that you would sort of gravitate to? Older children and dinner ladies. Really? Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was exclusively who I'd hang about with. The kindness of the dinner lady. That, yeah, but even, even like, you know, the, the douchey ones right. that I didn't really like. I still was like, I've got more in common with you than I have anybody that's my height. God, I wonder I where like that it. came from. I don't know. I don't, and I think, well, actually, I think it's because I, I spent so much time around adults in, in the years that I was growing up. I, that's just how I spent my time. I didn't have friends my own age. So I think that it's one of those things that, when I was then provided with other children's chat, I was just like, ah, you've got nothing for me, mate. Yeah. I don't want to put a jumper down and kick a tennis ball. I don't. I, I don't want to kick a normal-sized ball. I don't want to kick balls. I don't, this is not where I want to be. So I used to just go and, you know, either get beaten up or talk to a dinner lady. It was one or the, the other. I wouldn't mind both. But... Why were you spending so much time around adults? Was to do with your parents? Yeah, or... to do with... Because my family were all in the business at that point. Right. So, because my mum and dad... But, like, my mum was in a band um, called Family Affair and, uh, and my dad was entertainment manager and all that sort of stuff down at the um, uh, Warner's camp where they worked. And I... Um, and, and I just, I, I lived with them. You know, I, I lived around grown-ups and in sort of workmen's clubs and things like that. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's not really a thing anymore. It, it's not. I was sort of like one of the last ones that was in those sorts of rooms. There's a fair few still in Blackpool. Are they still looking about? <laughs> Mark Kelly's in Blackpool. Yeah, and, no, they're uh, all there. Can't beat that. <laughs> um, but I, I was just always very aware of other children. I was always very aware of the fact that there was something different about me and something different about them. I didn't know what, what it was, but mm. I was always aware that there was something that didn't just click. Did and you have a good relationship with your sister? What's the age difference there? Seven years. Right, okay. We it's did... quite a significant age difference, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that, she, yeah, I mean, I, because we, it's such a big gap, we were never particularly... Um, uh, you know, like close, close, but we certainly didn't like squabble or anything right. like that. And um, 
uh, yeah, we, it, was, it was one of those things that she was always just there. And, I, and I, you know, I, I love her very much. We've always gotten on. I think um, it's difficult for me as we go forward, to, you know, like in life and stuff. If, if I, I... I can't really pull the big brother thing on boyfriends and stuff like that. It's not... You know, when you've spent X amount of years off your nut, as I have, I can't really have a say on whether whether Ben comes round or not. You know, it's not it's not a problem. I have to stay out of that. I don't think I'm going to take advice from you, Joe. Yeah. Come on. I think it's quite well documented. <laughs> With um, just nipping back to school for a sec, because of the relationship or the lack of with other children, yeah. was with the school years traumatic or quite difficult for you or did you kind of just get your head down and they were uh i definitely didn't get my head down right um they were now this is why i'm nervous i'm nervous because my in my constant like brain it's like it's like remember when you used to watch the director's commentary on a yeah. DVD. It's like that, but the director hates the film, and and, and everything and <laughs> anything else. Even he knows every inch of this film. He's seen it a million times before. It's the worst film he's ever done. He's got other stuff on, but he's got to sit here and tell me about this film. That's what I've got going on in my head. So my, I, I, and it's still my voice. Yeah, but it's it's constantly saying. You, 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 your story isn't really worth anything. Right. Uh, which I understand its point. I disagree, but I still... But it's because I don't... In, I intentionally don't put myself in situations like this because... Because of that negativity. Because of that, yeah. Because, yeah. He, he's, he, cause, you know, he's going, no, 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 no. Nobody, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares. So to actually be here, it's quite difficult for him to have any sort of argument because I've, I'm here. Yeah. It's and too also, late now. And the thing is, it's just me and you. Yeah. We don't need to think about anything else. We've got, we're remaining our eye contact together. We're yeah. talking and it's just two people having a conversation. Yeah. So yeah. whatever help I can be yeah. to switch that, turn that volume down of that voice, yeah. you let me know if there's anything I can do and we'll work Thank towards you. that. Thank you. I, mm. School was traumatic. It was, it's, a, it's a good word for it. It was traumatic, and I spent a very long time um, excusing it um, for being something that it wasn't. Um, in which, what way? Um, just in the way of it being kind of okay, you know, everybody gets this, this and that, and sort of, again, you know, my uh, rationalising it, uh, rationalising things that happened, how other kids, you know, were, um, and I think that I spent an awful lot of time making excuses for it just to myself. That I, you know, I was, I was constant. I was, I, was, I was a pathological liar. From like, I can't remember a time when I didn't lie. I, can't, I in in my life, as early back as I can remember, I can remember lying about everything, always. Through it, through what? Through, through shame, or I don't know where the where the, the think, lying would come from. I think it's. I think it started from uh, a feeling of being unremarkable. I never felt. I never felt like I was um, anything that deserved to be on a shelf. Um, and I... So I... Because I, I, I never felt that I, as a person, was remarkable enough. I tried to learn how to do remarkable things or, you know, or at least... 
to tell remarkable say tales. That, yes, that, yeah, that's it. At least say things. And, it, you know, and I forget, you know, even now sometimes I'll remember something, a lie that I told once, and I was like, oh, God. I think we're skipping forward a bit, but when I was at college, I, I, I invented my mum and dad uh, getting a divorce in my head. And I, I told everyone. And uh, my mum and dad broke up, and then, you know, we d- they hadn't really, but I told everybody at college that mum and dad had broken up. About two years later, they did break up, but I'd already dealt with it. Right. So I was like, this is fine, yeah, not a problem. And I, I'd never given it that much thought until I was just at that point in my life, and I went, okay, yeah. But I then eradicated the fact that I'd lied about it. Right. And it's a really odd one to bring up that you're... Because I, immediately, me telling you that I can't remember a time when I didn't lie immediately puts everything that I'm going to say from this point onwards at risk. It's, it's, it, it, it's one of those odd ones that you keep quiet about it. Then, yeah, but it's, I tell you, and then it's, well, yeah, but are you lying? That's the only way that I can get around it now is by, is by saying it. You know, it's by... Which, again, it's a difficult one to weigh up. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's the only way that I stop doing it. I, I can't excuse it. Does it still come out now, the lies? About things. About in day-to-day life. Honestly, every now and then one comes out. Do you catch yourself on with it and go... Yep, yep, every right. time, every time. Very rarely, it's normally um, if I'm with sort of families or stuff, a lot of the, the sort of presenting that I do, if I'm with sort of extended groups of people, and oddly, uh, with schools with, uh, around children a lot as well, I will, something will, I'll be telling a story and then I'll just invent somebody that was there. That's the thing. I used to lie about really pointless stuff. So I never lied big, big, big ones, but I'd just lie just so it felt real enough. So I'd explain, you know, that I, I, you know, I got beaten up uh, when, I was, when I was 10 and I got locked in a skip for three and a half hours. That did happen. Um, uh, but then I would lie about something that happened when I got out of the, the skip, like that Richard Barkley came over and tried to strangle me with my scarf and then threw me back in. There's no need for that extra bit of a lie. Right. But it's almost like a dog weighing on a lamppost. Even things that, that have happened to me as a child, I've just got to lie a little bit on the top just so that's mine now. Um, and I think it was that lack of awareness in my own reality um, that I think stopped me from uh, evolving normally. So the core of it would actually be, there would be some sort of truth in there and then the dramatics would come on top so you could retain it and make it your own story. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then even to the point where now, as I, you know, get into... You know, I'm in my thirties now, and trying to, you know, not be as much of a dick as I've been, and and, and do stuff differently. Um, to the point where I can, I look back and I just think, God, that was so pointless. Why did you spend so much time? Because now, some things I even have to doubt myself about. Did that? Did that happen? Did you mm. do that? And like, there are things, there are stories that I don't tell because I don't think I'll be believed. If you're a liar, you think everybody else lies as much as you do. So, inherently, my brain works like a liar, so it, it knows not to trust people, it's, it's very, you know, adept at different situations. Does it still work like that? So it, it still tries to. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like... Yeah, the blueprint of my brain, essentially, absolutely breaks everything like, down like that. It doesn't... It's very detached emotionally, and it um, still works in, like, 
categories of people and uh, what I can tell this group of people and what I you know, can tell that group. So it still is mapped out like that. Um, but it's, yeah, to the point that I don't know sometimes if something was true or not. And right. if something was true, m- more often than not, I don't tell the story because I think whoever I'm going to tell it to doesn't believe me. So I sort of talk myself out of conversations as much as I have them. Because, through, through fear. Yeah, yeah. through fear. Because, yeah. you know, there's, I'm the only one that's in my whole life. So I'm the only one that knows how much of a dick I've been. So I've, I've really, the only frame of reference that I've got is, you know, a, a really shit, dour me that doesn't want to be here. That's, that's the, you know, sort of... That's the voice that I listen to all the time. Did, it ever, did the lies ever get to a point where it spiralled out of control so much that you would be in in danger or fear of getting found out because you i don't from what you're saying i don't really think the lies were a conscious thing they just sort of it just sort of happened but yeah. then if it's if something's going to keep happening then it's going to spiral and it's going to snowball and all of a sudden something's going to got to erupt at some point so i'm yeah. just wondering what that wake up call was for you that went oh why do i have to elaborate on everything <laughs> whereas if i just told that simple uh, nugget of truth that would be enough yeah yep i think that it's a fair point i mean i i uh, it took me a long time to stop lying as well to, to notice when i had and to notice that i would have to change everything to stop the way that i was being right um and that took a long long time because also there's safety in what you know and what I knew was lying about it. So, and it was inherent in you. I mean, at that point, it yeah, was there. That's it was it. just part. It became part of you, obviously. Yeah, and then I and I kept. I, I was, so if that's sort of the, the, the ground level of my personality is, if it has to lie to make myself seem more interesting or mm. remarkable, that I, I kept taking everything away. I kept taking all of its coping mechanisms away. So I took. I, I was. Uh, I was a drug addict. So I, I took the drugs away. So then my, my brain is like, don't do that, you dick. I'm trying, I've got, I'm trying to cope with this. And then I started drinking. I, I was an alcoholic. And then I took the alcohol away. So my brain is like, seriously, you're going to take all of this shit? You're going to take all of my stuff away from me? And until it gets to a point where, you know, that's when I first remember feeling like this. Yeah. Having that voice, this voice, my voice, say, you know, now's when you've got to kill yourself. He woke up in 2015. Right. When I realised that I had to live with things that I'd done. Because we can't change that. Can't change it. No, that's it. And I can't change it. And I'd never entertained the concept of having to live with something. I didn't... Because you were constantly pushing it away or clouding it or or, or lying. I'm going to die soon. That's sort of where, you know, that was my level of you know what i thought of myself I, mm. i'm definitely gonna die yeah i'm never ever gonna make it to this time next year so less than that so i never even considered that i'd have to live with 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 the repercussions of an action um and when i realized that i had to was when that woke up and when i realized that i couldn't so oddly it took me coming to and realising that I wasn't able to live with the things that I'd done I had to realise that first to then go well now you've got to yeah um and 
It's very difficult. It's a difficult... Because I don't, I, don't, I don't like asking for sympathy on it. Because I, don't, I know how manipulative my head can be. Well, so, just as a pair of ears, I've never thought... You know, seeing a few videos that you've done, I've never found it um, as any sort of sympathy vote. Thanks. At all. And I'm not just saying no, that no, to no, sort no, of yeah. relax. You know what <laughs> I mean? If I thought you did, I'd probably call you out on it, to yeah. be honest, because yeah. that's we, we talk honestly. Absolutely. Um, but no, I've never thought that, and you certainly don't sound like now, because we're just plotting, we're just trying to tell a, navigate a journey yeah. from where you were to where you are now. Yeah. But that's probably what's going on in your head is that you feel that you're sounding, that you're asking for sympathy. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure everybody listening to this one will, will certainly be screaming out going, no, you're not, you're not asking at all. We're just, we're just talking. Yeah, thank you. It's, I, again, it, it, but that's the... I'm going to have a spin, do you want one? Have a spin, no, I'm good. I think that I... Other mints are available, so that will be oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Unless Mint want to come on and uh, sponsor the podcast, then Can do if they want, I'm, but I'm make sure gonna... it's the big ones. Right, okay. I don't, yeah, the tin box, <laughs> none of that plastic with a trigger. No. Um, I... Yeah. It's because I... I know I've got to take responsibility for myself. And because I don't necessarily put myself in these situations very often, um, I... It, I'm aware that he's going to kick off a bit. I say he, it's me. Still yeah. my voice. Um, and I... <sighs> these things, that he's only got control over me if the person that I'm talking to doesn't know that this is happening. Yeah. So if I tell you, he can't do nothing. For the amount of time that I am with you now and leave... He can't do anything. I can't do anything. I can't hurt myself because I'm talking to you about it. And that's the only way, really, that I see that I can get through it. It doesn't mean that I'm defined by it. I'm very, very good at talking about other people. I'm, I'm a good listener. I like listening to people. And I'm aware that listening to people is the best way to stop people talking to you. So if I listen to you and I ask about you, then I'm, I can keep you away from me. Right. So it's not common that I enter a situation on the back foot because I have to. I'm, that's always my go-to is lying and talk about them, not you. And I can normally do the second one without the first and without people noticing. And this is part of self-preservation, though. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's safety of what you know, even yeah. if what you know hurts you. Yeah. It's a survival mechanism. It's worked up until this point. So why am I going to change it? Why am I going to change it? There's no need to. Um, but that's why it's one thing doing it on, on the internet, talking about this stuff. Because, and it's something that I'm aware of when I do it, is, is how difficult it is. But in the, in the sort of, what, 19 months, 20 months that I've been doing the videos and stuff online about it, um, it's kind of it kind of works on the same uh, on the same wavelengths as trolls. So a, a, a troll has a phone in between me. If I was a troll and you're you, yeah, 
there's a phone in between me and you. So you feel empowered to say that nasty thing because there is a sense of uh, uh, anonymity and the fact that um, it, there's not a real person on the other end of it. So it's exactly the same spectrum, but just the other end of it is that I can say things that, that I feel and that I'm not ashamed of yeah. on there because I can say it through the phone. Yeah. But if I take that phone away, I have to look at you and I have to tell you. Right. So it becomes reality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And something that I am, you know, I, like I will, if I do something, because I, I, I feel very detached emotionally a lot, ever just to my own life. Do you? Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting you say that. Why? Uh, well, it, well, it obviously links to what you've just been saying about the videos and the fact that there is a barrier between your, you, with, between Joe and anybody else. You yeah. can say anything and you can release because you're not there and we're not doing this. Yeah. Because sometimes I do, when I've seen some of your videos, you do get very emotional. So that means, oh, no, I thought you were very in touch yeah. with what's going on inside. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because mm. I, because I, mm, I, when I do them, I don't write them. And I just keep trying, and I'll, I'll, start, I'll, I'll spend an hour, maybe sometimes, sometimes do it straight away. But some, most of the time, I just keep stopping and starting until I do one that, that just comes out that makes sense, and then that's generally where I leave it. Um, but I will watch um, or read if I've done something. I will watch it over and over again to um, uh, to watch m- me be emotional about something. And, and I, because I watch myself doing it because I can't feel it. As soon as I've done it, I, I can get, I've got no frame of reference. I always show, my, if I do any video, I show my mum first. There's only one that she's ever said no. Um, and I can't remember why that was, but um, I always show her first. And, and you then, obviously take her advice. Yeah, yeah, I will always, yeah, yeah, always. I, I wouldn't have asked for it if I didn't want to. And she more often than not, you know, says, yes, it's fine. Difficult for my mum, you know, well, for my whole family, you know, that, that when I'm doing this publicly as well is something else that, you know, you undertake is that, you know, is, is the, other, the family, you know, that, that don't necessarily see me all the time. Um, there's an awful lot that's happened to me that they didn't really know about. Of course. Um, so that's, again, something that you sort of keep in check as, as time goes on. And also, we've also got to remember the, <coughs> excuse me, that they're of a different generation that would not necessarily think it the, the done thing to be talking about any sort of mental health problems or the fact that, oh, I, well, I've broken my arm, we can talk about that, but if something else is broken, yeah. well, we don't really talk about that, we'll shut away because it's only the people down the road that have those problems and they're not to do with us and that is not what's going on in our house. Yeah. And you hear it more and more. Yeah. I think certainly over the years, certainly over the last certainly four to five years, people have come out and spoken about these problems yeah. uh, and it's opened the door for other people to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, well, absolutely. I think that, especially with, you know, the uh, online being how it is now, mm. I have a very lucky experience with people online that, that, that touch wood. They, they've, I've, I've not had any bad um, sort of trolling or any of that. I don't, I don't get that. 
um, which is like majority of it is people being very nice. But I also because I don't rush into saying something. I don't, I don't sort of filter what I've got to say. No. But I also am very careful to um, personalise anything that is something that you could form an opinion on. Everybody's got an opinion, but particularly over things you can't see. That's the problem with the mental health, the whole umbrella, is because you can't see it. So if you can't see something, you can argue about it. You yeah. Can, you have, there's an argument that it might not be there if you can't see it. Of course. So if it ever touches onto that sort of thing, I will make sure that I say something about me and I'll tell the truth about me. Because if I make it about me, you can't say anything. You can't have an opinion because that bit's, that's something I did. That's, that's something I take But that's what, you, that's what you always do. It always comes back to you. You're not... It's not... I've never thought um, that you're preaching in any way. You're just saying, this is what's happened to me. This is how it's affected me. Um, and if I've done this, then I'm pretty sure you could do it too. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, you're de- dead right. It can't... Yeah, if it's all about you, then it can't nothing negative can really come back in because they've got no say because that part belongs to you. I yeah. totally agree, yeah. Yeah, and you have to, you know, I don't enter into arguments and, and I completely get it and, I, and I, I understand why people do, but, like, I can't, I can barely live with, like, the days where I've just done things fine and I've been okay. So to, if I was to go into an argument about something, that's, that's not somewhere that, an environment that I would be okay in. So I just stay out of it because I, it's not something that I can that I, I feel I've got anything to offer. But I think you shield yourself very well by the way that you talk. Thanks. And again, I think that comes down to self... Well, it, I don't think it does. It does come down to self-preservation. <laughs> it has to be, Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, let's go back to school yeah. around that time. Yeah. And I was thinking before, and I didn't want to interrupt you, because I wanted to listen to you, I was wondering how your dad's fame affected how your school life journey was and how you were yeah. because of that. Yeah. And, and I don't say that in, oh, I blame my dad for yeah. being at the height of his fame at that certain time. Because that's, that's, <laughs> no, 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 I, not, know I, mean. I don't mean that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, things like that do have an effect on, yeah. on children. Yeah, it's not, they're not, um, it's not coincidental. Right. No, I completely, uh, you know, that's, it's definitely a thing. It's also something that I can only look at retrospectively. I didn't know at the time. Of course. Because it just was. Yeah. That was, that was it. And it's not something that I ever considered until I was older. Um, I'm just wondering how, you know, we were talking about the core of the truth and the lies being layered on top. I wonder if that manifested itself because of anything to do with your dad yeah do you know Absol- what I mean I know exactly what you mean absolutely I'm not sure if I'm clutching at straws no, here, no, but... no 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 but you're right as well and also what you're doing is you're second guessing what my brain does and you're absolutely spot on in that right. which is it, 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 it invalidates whatever it, I've got to say uh, because my, my opinion doesn't matter which is not true so I appreciate you getting both of those things because okay, right. um, uh, it was a thing absolutely and I think that kids have a lot of power when you're when you're in a playground, oh yeah, they have a lot. And yeah. again, particularly because I didn't, I didn't know that I was the, the way that I was. Uh, you know, was it, it just was my normal. So I didn't know anything else. Dad was just like a plumber, but he just plumbed in front of people. That's of course. it's not. Yeah, is, is plumbed a verb? Well, we're, that, it, well we're having it now. It's thanks. fine. <laughs> and I, 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 it's 
it's only something I look back on more recently in the past 10 years where I'm gone, actually, yeah, that was... Because it did affect me. It did affect um, the, the school environment. I can't, I can't remember being bullied because of that. I, never, I don't think I ever got that. That was, that was never... I think oh, I got bullied because I was walking around I was three foot doing card tricks, playing a ukulele and just sort of being generally alone. Yeah. I think that was more the, the problem. Of course. Uh, uh, over dad being the squeaky voice bloke on the telly. Yeah. Um, but I think that the hardest thing was having his name. Oh, having, and, you, and you did at the time? Yeah, I still right. do. I still right. do. Okay. I still do. I've, I've, I've changed my surname. Um, not not properly, just on stuff. Um, but I think that is for work reasons. For work reasons, yeah, yeah and, and and for personal reasons as well. I um, it, I think it's a, it's an odd one to give somebody a name that's already taken. Is is it's an odd thing. I don't mm. know. I, I don't know where that sort of mentality comes from necessarily. Um, well, it's funny because, you know, we're all individuals. Yeah, yeah. And then you're being given somebody else's name. Well, that, yeah. well surely that belongs yeah. to you. And I think that it's, it depends. It's, it's how much you want to read into something. I, don't, I, like, I never, when I was younger, that's not something that, that came out. And also, it's an Italian thing. It's like for my, my, you know, for men... Italy. My granddad was Granddad Joe. Got a parrot. My, my family can't big think of names. It's just you know, it's not a thing, and I don't know why that is. But it's that was hard. That was hard being that age. I think yeah. having a name that wasn't mine, because if you say anything about Dad, you're saying it to me. And like, do you where where does where does Dad start and where do I stop? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And given the kind of child that I was, which was one absolutely adored my dad. I absolutely adored him. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't anywhere that he wasn't, you know, and sort of my life was essentially time that I wanted to spend with my dad linked up by other stuff when he was away. Sure. That's kind of how me growing up looked at it. And um, I think that I've interestingly got, I used to film myself constantly. I used to film myself doing shows and things like that, and I did that for years. And I'm so pleased YouTube wasn't a thing. Christ, what, what doing like magic and things? Oh, like that. yeah, magic. Yeah. yeah, but I just been. To, there's, there's only pictures of me in a, in a school uniform or in a three-piece suit. I used to come home when I was about eight, and I dress in a three-piece suit. I'd film myself for three hours. I'd watch it back for three hours. I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up, go to school, come back and do it again. And I've still got all of it. And, you know, some of it is really quite depressing. Like, but if you do, again, what we were saying is I look at my childhood like that and the amount of time that I spent alone, and it's a thing that, that my behaviour when I was an adult is a mirror image of what I was doing when I was a child. Yeah. It's exactly the same. I'm alone in front of a TV without anybody to talk to. That's what... It, it makes sense when you, when you, when you look at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, as well, if, we look at, if we look at that timeline, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I just literally, when I got to 16, it shifted a little bit, and then it makes sense. Again, I've got to take responsibility for that. Um, but, yeah, it was... Having somebody else's name over um, anything else that I think was the problem more. 
it, it just in, in me sort of living with it. So when was the conscious decision to, to change that? To change my name? Yeah. Was, um, it would have been around, must have been 2000. 2000, right. 2001. Okay. That sort of time. So I was, I was a magician then. I was, I was a professional magician, had been for a, a while. I think I was, I was 10. I was 10 when I started doing the um, magic and children's parties and stuff like that. And um, I... Was this going to be a, a, a career route for you, the magician, or was this just something to, I, I, for the time and, and money? I think it was, I think it was because that's, that's all I was going to do. I was always going to go into, you know, some sort of entertaining, and it was just that, that was where I'd sort of found what I enjoyed doing, was doing the magic. And I did, uh, I came... Again, it's a one-man show. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is it. Absolutely. <laughs> Things haven't really changed yeah. up until this point, have they? No, no, they don't. And that's the thing. It's like, like they really don't. I'm still the same. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, wherever I stop putting the effort, it is still where I am. So I... Uh, I think with the magic, it's, it comes back to being remarkable again. I feel for anybody that, that, that wants to do magic because I see somebody that likes magic tricks and that wants to give their time to that and I feel sorry for them because you don't really ever learn to do something that's remarkable if you feel remarkable or at very least just okay and unaware. There is a, a child that isn't aware of themselves and just being a child. I mean, there's a very strong connection already that I'm seeing with <laughs> the magic to the the lion and the elaborate the, the elaboration and the dramatics on top of that. That's yeah. connecting, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's it so is it's the, they're sort of hand in hand with it all. Yeah. And, and the one word there is remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or to wish to seem yeah remarkable. Absolutely. And because I was very good at I was very good at magic as well, but that's the other downside of doing things like magic tricks is it's it's a it's a contradiction because in order to be really good at magic, you're learning magic because you've got no friends. Great. So to be good at magic, you have to spend a lot of time on your own. So it's it, it's constantly you chasing you chasing your own tail, and you're forcing yourself to be on your own yeah. so you can learn more magic. Yeah. So it's, it's a never ending. Spiral. Constantly. And then, and then it gets to the point that you can't talk to anyone without doing magic. And then that was, that was another, you know, eight years undoing that. And, you know, not being able to converse with anyone without doing tricks. And these are things, in, you know, that I've sort of, I've blocked out. I don't really, you know, go back to them. I don't think about them that much. Well, you're but, doing all right now. There's no cards or rabbits <laughs> on the table so far. So <laughs> Thanks, we've, mate. We, we've, come, did, we've come a long way so far. I had to, I, it did take a while though. Because I used to like, like pack things and had decks of cards and all this. It took a very, very long time. I was going to say, well, it sounds like it was a crutch. Yeah. You know, it was an, it was an in. Absolutely. Oh, God, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Christ. So the, this magic was such a huge part of your life. Well, it was your life. Yeah. You know. When, what came first, drink or drugs? Drugs. Oh, oh drug. well, yeah. Mm. I was going to say, I'm wondering what came in to take over. It was drugs. Drugs came in pretty soon. So I... And what are we talking here? Uh, oh, oh, Coke. Right. Coke. Always Coke. 
um, yeah, pretty much tried everything else. Um, I never rejected anything. Um, I never did heroin, um, which uh, you'll find any cocaine addict like me will will always go. Oh no, I didn't do heroin. Like like that's the awful one. Um, yeah, it's not. It's it's in brackets. At least and, I didn't. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I've never met a cocaine addict that's, that doesn't do that. There is this like hierarchy thing where we sort of like hands off. Go, no, I've not done that. Mm. It's they're all shit. Um, that it was the drugs that came in properly first. But I, I mean, I went to school when I was when I was sixteen. I moved to London. I went to college and I went to Italia County. And I'd never, obviously, I'd been on my own. So it's the first time I'd ever been around people my own age at an age where I was capable of doing, well, anything, really. I'd, I'd always lived at home, and I'd, I was a tiny little adult. And you've got to learn this new social interaction with yeah. people of my own age. Yeah, and... how do you do that? Yeah. So, I, uh, obviously, students, so it was drinking, and so that's the first time that I'd found that. I think I'm, you know, that was normal, though. It was sort of 18 months of just normal teenager drinking. Which obviously gave you this fake sort of newfound confidence. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it, I think it did at the time. I actually look back at it and I see it as one of the first and only times that I've ever not been particularly self-aware. Um, and not in, a, not in a negative way right. either. You know, I always remember my childhood to now and all this stuff. I always, I'm very, very hyper-aware. Um, and I kind of look at that brief period of time sort of in a, in a nice way, I, I, I suppose, where I'd actually... I gave myself a bit of a break, I think, without knowing it. God, that's so interesting that you say that, because that's the first time that you've said um, enjoy or I look back at that with any sort of fond memory. That hasn't come up so far That's interesting. Yeah. I've never thought of it that much. I've never thought of it. So I, it just pinged out to me. That's yeah, all. yeah, yeah. Just no, but just I don't. That's, that's a fair point because I've never. I've also never said that. I've never explained it like that. Um, so there we are, Italia Conti. Yep. And what was the purpose to go to be going there? Because at the moment, I mean, that was the reason I wanted to be there is because I knew that I, I wanted to go into the business. I knew I decided that magic wasn't necessarily going to be I, I did very well in magic i was a british champion and i was i i you know i got to a point that was um good it's a right so if your dad is my dad yeah and you are a professional 15 year old magician and you have a bit of a complex about your name not being yours it's kind of weird it's a weird place to that makes kind of sense where you look at how this mind of mine has, has grown out of something when you've got a young age a brain that will tell you that you don't deserve anything you've got and the things that you've got you got because of something that isn't you it's was that ever said to you yeah 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 i mean like or, or implied oh definitely yeah yeah i think it's one of those things that it was it was said and implied but even if it wasn't it existed in my own head and Obviously, yeah, the, definitely. And then for those few times that it ever was mentioned, it to be a thing, then validates all of those hundreds of hours of of beating yourself up with, you're not good enough, this isn't because of you, you're not good enough, this isn't because of you. All you need is the slightest little half of somebody telling the truth of that you, you, didn't, you didn't get this because you deserved it. Yeah. But, 
like all those years of invalidating my own story, you know, are immediately validated. Um, and uh, I feel for that. I, f- I feel for me at that age. I wish I could go back to that one and just... Have a word. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't know what to say. I still don't know what to say. But the fact that you'd like the opportunity means there's something that you would say. Yeah. 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 Do you ever read um, The Big Issue? No. Sometimes you should read The Big Issue. It's quite interesting. Yeah. But it is interesting. And they do an article in there, and I think it's called, and I'm sure somebody will be shouting if I get this wrong now, but I think it's called A Letter to My... 15 or 16 year old self yeah and they they they, they that's exactly what they do yeah. it's very um cathartic yeah to read you should give it a read it's really interesting i think that the, or maybe the big issue should get in contact with you <laughs> and you could do that and write down a big letter of what you should say wouldn't that be interesting i'm not half i mean yeah i the, the sort of when i started getting into sort of the, the treatments and the rehabs and things like that i always committed to uh, the work that I was being set as much as I could yeah. in any given moment. Um, so uh, on the face of it, I was working very, very hard and I was sort of doing all the written work and all this sort of stuff. Um, but then actually, if you scratch the surface, I wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't doing any, anywhere near the amount of work that I should have been doing. Um, and sort of just the ability to be able to change, I didn't see that as... As, as a thing, I didn't, I didn't consider the fact that I was actually going to have to change the way that I was being. Um, and so in a way, were you kind of kidding yourself there? So you were yeah. still sort of lying to yourself? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I mean, throughout, I mean, the first, um, the first rehab that I went to, uh, I just came out of at the end and I was like, well, that's my, my problem is drugs. So at least I can still drink. And, uh, and I opened a bottle of Moe that first night that I got out. And, um, uh, and I was back on coke within three weeks. Um, but I immediately became an alcoholic from the moment that I just started drinking. Because I'd stopped drinking for quite a lot over the years because I realised I could do like a litre of Southern Comfort and it wouldn't touch the sides. So Really? Yeah. That yeah. much? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That was... So I... When I was doing... Uh, Coke, I, from when I was like 17, 18, when I first started, I tried it once. And then... And was this at Alia Conti when you started, tried it? Or? Towards the, to, yeah, towards the arse end of, of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I did that very quickly. I, I got, it started doing, you know, like three grams a night. I do a, like a large amount on my own. And then I, um, I think in March 2007, yeah, I, I was when I first got moved away from London but on a job. I moved to Leeds and immediately then uh, th- three out of seven nights, I'd do at least five grams a night and just be awake. And uh, that was kind of my default amount uh, for a long time. From, uh, yeah, from, from, from that time in Leeds. How do you function on such... Because the human body needs rest and needs sleep, and I know I had a terrible night's sleep last night because I was in bed with that 
eight-year-old over there. That sounds terrible. That's my son. <laughs> We're going down a very dark road here. It's definitely my fault. We'll beat that out. I appreciate um, it. I had a terrible night's sleep. I was kind of tossing and turning all night. And I woke up this morning going, oh, I've got to do work today and I've got to engage and I've got to be with people. And because this means so much to me, I need to fucking really focus. Yeah. So I'm terrible on little amounts of sleep. Yeah. It sounds like you're having hardly any sleep there and plus you're working yeah and that was that was something that i um again i was always i was very very fortunate i was always working and that i've had very few times when i've not been but i a a big reason i think for me being able to survive like that for a long time is because people didn't necessarily know about what i was going through you do um but you, did, but you didn't at this point, did you? No. You didn't know what was going on upstairs. No, didn't no. know what was going up. Also didn't know that I had a drug problem or any of that. I didn't know. And I also thought that I thought nobody else knew as well. So I thought I was just getting away with it and nobody knew that I, there was a problem. They obviously did though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, because you get down it like that and, you know, the, you find out that the people that you were with on, you know, when they were talking to each other was like, oh yeah, well, he is going to die soon. And you, I like when you first find out, you think, why did you not tell me? Well, because I wasn't, I wasn't working on a plane of, you know, being particularly approachable. I, yeah. was, I was still I was not, not a nice person, I don't think. I think um, I, it's, I was still very polite and I, you know, I, I didn't eat much, I didn't sleep, but I was still nice. I don't remember people's names. And that, again, I suppose, but, but that's a survival mechanism because I'm, yeah. you know, that I'm, I'm hyper aware. Yeah. And, um, to function with no anything in me was just how this, I didn't know anything else. I, I, I always did that. I can't look at anything, any work, anything I filmed um, from uh, 2007 to uh, 2012. I hadn't slept the night before. So there are, there are a whole series of, of, of things that, I've, that I shot that, that I had not slept before. And I think because it had been a secret, that one that I'd never, even if people knew about it, it was something that I didn't converse with people about. Um, I think that's why it went on for, for longer than uh, it might not have done. If I if I'd have been quite open with people about yeah. it, yeah, and it wasn't until sort of that last year um, in two thousand and twelve when I. When I, it finally started to come out, and, and like I was, I was doing it in front of people more, and it was um, sort of as ever with these things that the, the walls around me just started to crumble, and sort of reality as it was. Um, well, that's a, a summer I had to give, surely. Yeah. I mean, did it did it escalate from there to to get to that peak? Were, uh, that, you, were you were you were you sort of using it in the daytime while you were working or I was never using it in the daytime right I was never using it in the daytime but what I, what I did do was I would start using when I finished work okay so so early in the evening early in the evening or if I finished midday half past 12 it it was it, it, uh, but that's the way I rationalized it in my in my head was well, I, I finished will, work so yeah, that's it. And if I look back on it, it's, I know, I look at me and I'm like that, well, that's what you're doing. You're filling the time. You're just trying to go, okay, I just, I've, I've got something to do at eight o'clock. It's now 12 midday. So I've got that amount of hours to get through and then I can go. And oddly, I, t- I do something that makes me have to spend all of that time with me. 
But I did it. And that just got worse. Yeah. It got worse and worse and worse. Um, and, uh, so at its peak, what happened when, when you reached there and you said that the walls were crumbling in, you were obviously being very open with people about doing it in front of people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, one of those things that um, I was doing it in front of people and, like, people had sort of seen... Like, I had some wonderful friends and I still have them now. Um, and again, one of those things when I do, I'm in that place where I'm looking at myself and, I, you know, if I'm being hard on me or that is that I, I'm very lucky that I've, I've had people that have stuck by me, you know, yeah. and even at those times there was obviously good in there that other people saw because they wanted to help it. Um, but I think that... <sighs> it was when the people around me started to stop. You know, like, I was, you know, I'd be around people. We stayed up for, like, six weeks or something, and then they stopped, and they all were like, no, no, we, we're, you know, going to continue with our normal days and eat With and our stuff. lives, yeah. yeah. that's it, yeah, <laughs> you know, talk to my family. <laughs> um, and it was when, it was then when I realised that I couldn't. It was, it was that that sort of time that I was like, ooh, it's an issue. Uh, lots of things happened in succession, uh, you know, in the fact that, you know, I'd also met, a, 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 you know, my first sort of, uh, like, drug dealers that, that were high-end drug dealers. And, 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 you know, that sort of, you know, when I started being able to contact people at all hours of the day and night, um, and uh, so availability was never an issue for you. It no. got to that stage. Yeah, it right. got to that stage where it was fine. I could, you know, pick up, you know, anywhere. I didn't even have to leave really, um, because of just the amount of drugs that I I, I, I would get, you know, um, and um, it's. I was going to say I feel sorry for him, but I, I didn't mean that. I don't. I don't feel sorry for that me then, no. at that age. I remember. I remember being very scared. I remember. I remember noticing that it, that I was becoming physically unwell. Uh, you know, because it got to a point where I, you know, I well, I'd not spent for the up until July the fourth that year, I hadn't slept in a bed from January. Um, I finished Panto in January, and then um, when I got to Hollyoaks, I um, moved into a new flat, and I didn't stay in the bed once. Right. And I, um, looking back on that now, how ill I was becoming and how quickly my, my body started to shut down, it was when I started to drink again, and I picked up drinking as a balancing thing. Okay. So I would, you know, I'd, I'd been up, for, if I'd been up for three days and I'd done, you know, in three days, I've, I'd, even if I, if I wasn't working, I couldn't do like, like 15 grams. I would go for that entire period of time. Um, and, and now to look back at how ill I was and how lucky I was that I actually went to 
get some help at that point. And was this your choice? Was this somebody who helped you get help? It was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was my choice to go. It was, but I, it was at the time, it was my flatmate Emmett. Me and Emmett lived together. And um, he tried before. Anybody that, that has, you know, sort of experienced being with an addict, uh, living with one, helping one, not helping one, uh, you know, I can't imagine how difficult it is because I've, I, I, you know, I'm me, but I've never lived with it. I've never, ever lived with it. Um, and there is this really odd, awful thing that just because you know somebody's in pain and struggling, but there is, there's only so much you can do as a, as a friend or family member that's, that's with somebody that isn't in control of an addiction. And also they need to listen as well, obviously. And Absolutely. I don't know how open you were to listening at that time. Oh, God, no, I wasn't. Not at all. No, 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 not at all. As far as I'm aware. Anyway, no, I don't remember. I, no, God, no. Christ, even now, I don't, I'm not good at listening. But I think that... I think you're doing all right, actually. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I think that, you know, they can suggest it, but it, you have to wait until it comes from me. Yeah, of course. I was at a point there where I, you know, you know, my family had all, you know, started to learn that there was a problem. You, they didn't know what it was, um, but they... But you'd hid that from them. I'd hid it from them, yeah, yeah. So they knew... <clears throat> It, it happened a few times sort of in the lead up to that, that they, they'd known that I'd taken drugs and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and they knew there was a problem, but they didn't really know the, the depths of it. And uh, I was going through a period where I was just, I knew there was, a, I knew my, I, I knew I was dying. and absolutely knew I was dying, uh, which was not too much of an issue for me. I wasn't bothered um, uh, I was not suicidal at that point. I'd never, I don't remember being suicidal at that point in my life before when I first went into treatment. I wasn't certainly consciously anyway. Yeah, certainly not. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because I again, because kind of because I was literally dying, and I think I knew that um, that I just didn't have. It was it wasn't a worry for me because I'm yeah. I mean, yeah. um, what well, I, I can't even begin. To think about how blurred the lines were, so how can you have any sort of rational thought? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. It's a really yeah. I don't know how much rational thought I ever had or did. Mm. I don't know, and I think that if you are if if you if you are an addict or, or any of these things, but or these personality sort of things, you. I look back on it and just there is a sense of of fear that you have of yourself. I was scared of me. I was scared because there was something happening. I didn't understand it. And I was scared of other stuff. I was scared of people's reactions and what would happen. Because like you say, that's a really good way of putting it. The lines blur. They utterly blur. And I knew something was wrong, but I wasn't looking at the problem. I was trying to find something that was my problem that wasn't the uh, £1,500 a day cocaine habit that yeah. I had. And, you know, it was... Obviously, it's not all the drugs. So, you know, what I'll do is I'll go down to a homeopathist and get um, uh, get one of those... Have you seen those, um, uh, like, back 
tests where they, they if you they want to find out what stuff you're allergic to. Yeah. So it's like they have like fifty six tiny little coloured squares. They put little things, they stick it on your back for three days, and then that you take that off. Oh yeah, okay. So you're allergic to these spices and don't yeah. have that and this. And uh, I was like, well, I'll buy an Xbox because that's going to sort it. <laughs> and um, I remember I'd, I'd been, I was sat in front of the telly. I had a Scalex trick that I bought. That was just there. And I was, um, I was playing on the Xbox. Emmett had been a, Emmett tall, uh, Irish. Uh, he'd been, been there over my shoulder. He'd been there for hours. And I was, um, Spider-Man was on the Xbox and he was running around in a circle. He'd been running around in a circle for about two, three hours, as I can remember. It was a Wednesday. And um, then Emmett said something and he sounded weird. I didn't understand why. And then I was just watching Spider-Man go around and I stood up um, and I sort of stumbled to the door. And Emmett said something again, but he sounded weird. And I said, why are you talking like that? And, um, and Emmett had gone to work uh, over a day before and uh, a fella called Kev, who was a friend of ours, who was uh, one of the heads of departments at the show, um, Emmett had, had phoned Kev and said, Joe can't be on his own, can you come and, and just be with him? Yeah. And he'd been there for a very, very long time. And <sighs> I, that was that reality of that, I feel sick now. Because that, well, I, I was like, There's a, that's a big chunk of time that I know is not right. Yeah. So I got, um, I got, I, so I then told Emmett, you know, can you come back? And uh, I need to go somewhere. And I was, I was so scared of that. Mainly because I had to, it meant telling my family. It meant making it reality. It, not, this is my world and I've only got... Being a drug addict is, is much easier than not being a drug addict because, like, now I'm clean, I'm sober, uh, but I, I'm also an arse, but it's, I, I've got, I've got so many problems. Right. When you're a drug addict... They all sort of fade away. Oh, they, yeah, that's, <clears throat> no, yeah, yeah, that's it. You've got one. Yeah. It's drugs. And it's like problem one, A, getting drugs, running out of drugs, waiting for drugs. That's it. It's just always drugs. Because you completely just put reality to one side yeah. and just mainly focus, well, 100% yeah. just focus on that. Yeah, that's it. That's my only problem. And then when you're down that road, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care that I didn't care. It was on the 4th of July that I went to uh, treatment and um, that was a Wednesday and they said I would have died by the Friday. Because um, I, my body had started to shut down. I hadn't slept in, well, I hadn't slept. I hadn't eaten. I lived on Milky Ways. I was five and a half stone. Jesus. And I slept for four nights and days when I got there. And um, uh, I've got, I've got, funny enough, I brought it. I, um... I've done like six months of therapy over the years. I've got, I have a case at home that I have of all of the written work that I do. And I brought, the reason I brought it is because I know that I will, I knew that I wouldn't say that I, this was a thing yeah. if I didn't bring it. Yeah, I was saying earlier about that, you know, like I, I have to counteract living with the fact that I'm a liar. 
So I've got a lot of... I'm, uh, I'm trying to undo stuff as yeah. I go along. Yeah. These are, these are conversations that I very rarely enter into something without being able to Back know the up. end of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, yeah, and, you know, like, just sitting here and talking to you about something without trying to be funny, without trying to be anything, and just having a conversation, I know what my brain does. And it will stop me. So I brought... This is, like, six months' worth of... Six, seven months' worth of all the written works I did. When I was at the... Um, that first... Um, that first rehab, um, I... Alongside all of the written work, I kept this diary for myself. Um, and it is uh, like a sort of like a comedy jaunt down my first time in rehab. Yeah. It's one of the saddest things to, to read that and to remember it as well as I do and just to how much of a chance I didn't have. You know, I was, I was writing this as like some sort of weird comedy novel for for people and it, there was just no way that I was ever going to come out being any better than I was when I went in all it's, I learned all I learned in that time was more ways that I could destroy myself and do it better right um and it's I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I've got all of this stuff because without it I'd be able to change my own narrative yeah of course you would but even though I don't sit and I don't read it, I don't go through it, I've not, I've not, I've not read that in, in a long time, but I've got it there. It's, a th- it's stuff, well, it's, it's real. Sec- it's, it's security. Proof. Yeah, it's yeah. A, that's proof that I was here. I yeah. did something. Yeah. I did, th- this, was, this is the stuff that I did. Because the, the older I get, the more life I live, the more disconnected to what I've done I become. So now, at this point in my life, when I am being more open and, and talking about it, I'm, I'm less connected with my past than I've ever been. I'm you, less connected with everything. Are you finding it difficult? Because what I can see and what people won't be able to see at home is the more we delve in to certainly the much darker times, <clears throat> physically, you're sat in front of me and you get more and more uneasy yeah. as we start to discuss. So I hope we're not going not in the slightest. No, down no, no. certain places you don't want to go. You can just tell me I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, Craig, no, and that's no, totally absolutely. Fine. no, no, absolutely. But I can see it physically because you're right there. Yeah, and this, and this would be what, what my, like my mum and my, and my family, they see in me a lot of the time. I would never, I, one, can't feel that I'm moving much. Right. And two, I'm aware that it's because I'm not thinking about this being anything other than me and you sitting here talking. Well, good. Because normally in the world, I don't get like this. This, this is my family worry when I'm like this because it's, you know, it, it means that I'm thinking about something that's not particularly nice sure. you know, to think about. Um, but I'm okay. You're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, right. yeah, really, really. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so after that, so that was the first stint of treatment. Yeah. After sleeping for that extremely long stretch of time but obviously in the grand scheme of things not that so much because <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. should have gone to bed a long time ago absolutely um, yeah was that it for the drugs no 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 right no i uh you came out of there and... i came out of there august beginning of august went back to filming straight away um i over the years um the places that i've worked with uh the, the people that have been sort of working 
on the shows that I was on, um, I was never, ever anything other than 100% supported by anybody I've ever worked with, um, particularly from a, a production point of view. Um, I, you know, was they, I, I was just helped at every turn by people. There was never, ever somebody that didn't go above and beyond to help me in the best way that they could. Which is incredible. You know, so many times you hear that doors are shut and people are sling out when all they need is just the flying that flag of help and that's all they need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think... It's funny as well, coming out in the last couple of years is people that I've not spoken to for maybe eight or nine years that have seen something that I've, I've done now and got in touch to apologise to me because they felt bad that they... Should have been there for you at the time. Yeah, and like right, they okay. had some, some sort of cause did, that they didn't help because they were with me when I was, you know, at the thing. And, you know, that's one, not a thing. It's not. And in the, the, the people that have done that, you know, I've made, a, you know, as much of an effort as I can to go, whether you were there or not, it was my thing. You were, you know, that's part, that's the reason it turned into a problem because you just stopped and carried on. Yeah. I carried on without stopping. Yeah. And, and I was stopped. And um, that, I, I had another three months of drugs after I came out of uh, that first rehab. How soon was it before you sort of... Less than a month. A, less than a month before you picked up the phone again? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and... Um, uh, what was the need there? Was it because it was still there within you or...? Yeah, Did it was... Did something happen that you went, I've got to... No, I hadn't, done any, I hadn't done any work on myself. I mean, I'd worked hard and I'd done all the writing and, you know, I'd done all that stuff. But, no, it was not... Um, uh, it's one of those things that... It was always going to come back. I hadn't done anything to, to work on myself. Right. I, I hadn't changed anything. Right, OK. Um, and... You know, it was less than three weeks, I think. I, I went to look for a number on the first night. The first night I got out and I'd opened a bottle of Moe, I, 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 I tried to find uh, one of my dealer's numbers that night. Didn't, couldn't. Um, and then, yeah, and then eventually, three weeks later, I did. And, I mean, to be fair to him, he, did, he, he came over and he went, you sure you want to do this? I mean, you know that you're doing too much drug when your drug dealer is like, mate, you sure? You, you definitely... Yeah. I was paying that man's mortgage. That's, you know, and, like, I used that as an excuse for myself. Well, you've got, you've got, you've got to get a couple of grams in because, you know, he's got to send his kids to school, hasn't he? <laughs> oh, this, I was rationally using this man's life. Like, what's that? His car's on finance. You've got to, oh. What are you going to do, mate? I mean, you, you know, I'm only laughing because of oh, the way no. you're saying it. Oh, I'm yeah, certainly no, not laughing at the, the situation. No, I appreciate that. I'm glad. I'm very glad that you're laughing. Christ, I mean, it's it's just one of those things that you like. Oh God! Like I remember his face as well. I remember his face there. You know, he really, he really didn't want to give me those drugs. You know, but and it must be a, it's an odd, you know, power thing. Look. Because he was looking directly at the, the really... I remember, I remember what I looked like then. I had never, ever considered what I looked like before that time. Before that, that three months in between coming out of this rehab um, and going into my last one, uh, my second to last one. I, you know, I didn't look good. 
and I was scared of I was scared of everything. Yeah. I was scared of me. I was scared of anywhere that I'd been and anywhere that I was going. I didn't feel safe. Because I knew that what I didn't the only thing that I couldn't handle was time. I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And I'd just been given a shitload of it. And I was like, what the what do I do? What do mm. I do with this? What do I do? Why I think that anybody that is living with drugs or being suicidal or any of those things is really all you know is, is a survival instinct in you of being okay. So I think it's the hardest thing if you've told, if you've asked somebody for help and you've let, if you've, you spend your whole life on your own, living in a place of being on your own. Yeah. Whether people found out because you were put somewhere or because you asked to go somewhere, everybody knows now. So you are somebody that has been working alone for a long, long time. Immediately, everybody you've ever known is looking at you wanting to help, which is one, amazing, and two, utterly terrifying. Because you are, everything I do is on my own. With, with you all here, I don't know how you can help me. Yeah. But this is making me feel worse. Yeah. That's just how you feel. You feel because they're threatening your survival instinct. And to have asked for help started to get better, but then it coming back is the most terrifying, from my point of view, is, is such a terrifying place to be. Because to have nearly died, not died, had all your family and friends in front of you, you start moving forwards and then whatever it was that you were scared of is back now. Yeah. That moment is the most alone you feel because I'm not strong enough to tell all of you that I'm going to go, it's, I'm going to undo it. Yeah. All of the work that I've done, all of the pain that I've caused you and all of those times that I told you I'm, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to do everything I can, well, it's back. Right. And I'm not strong enough to tell you there's yeah. a problem. And the pers- personality things, being an alcoholic, being a drug addict, it's, they're the only illnesses that try and tell you that you've not got them. That is the worst symptom of an illness ever, is that it tells you you've not got it. That, and like... So I'm constantly battling that, mm. which is, no, you're fine. Mm. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's not a problem. Right? Just tell everybody you're all right. Mm. Because then you keep yourself more and more alone. Yeah. Again. Again. That's... Again, that's all. You, you, yeah, it becomes a superpower. Yeah. That you utterly detach. You become as detached from other people as you are with yourself. Joe, <laughs> we've still not got to the point where you've been diagnosed yet. No. And what I'm really interested to know was... What came first, being diagnosed with your disorder or... Because I'm right in saying that suicidal thoughts did come in. Oh, yeah. And I'm, wor- I'm interested to know what came first. Because you obviously... You're here, thank yeah. God, you're here. So, obviously, the latter didn't go to plan, which is fantastic. But I need to know what part of your brain... Um, kicked in and went kicked in at that point suicide came up 
in the three months between the first rehab and the second. So I came out of that first one in August uh, 2012, and then I went back in to a different one on, uh, in November, middle of November. I don't remember those three months as a period as longer than, I don't know, maybe 10 days. I don't, I don't really remember it. Um, I know I was being shifted from between up north where I was filming and, and down south with my family. Um, but, yeah, the suicide sort of, that's when that started coming up. I think that uh, people's perception, it's person-specific how you look at suicide. I don't consider, I, I never tried to die. I don't, you know, I, I probably, on the majority of people's kill-yourself spectrum, I maybe had five things that people might class as attempts. Um, I, I personally don't deal with a lot of them as, as attempted suicides because I didn't try. I, you know, if I take the overdose and I've already phoned 999 and then I swallow and phone, that to me is not, I'm not attempting suicide because I've immediately asked for help. The closest that I came was, was when I, I did climb onto the other side of the bridge. Um, which I did, uh, that, was the, that was the last night that I used. And uh, the only time that I ever, out of all of them, the only time that I looked at as I could have done it then. So out of all of the other sort of times that I, that I did. This, see, this is looking at your eyes as well. That I've, I forget how big a deal it is to say that I climbed over onto the wrong side of a bridge. I forget how important that, a, a sentence that is, mm. how powerful that thing can be. Well, it's everything. It's, I'm, I'm stepping off. Yeah. Or I'm ceasing. This existence now is, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. And to go from uh, taking a load of pills, swallowing, and then calling, yeah. or vice versa, whichever way, yeah. which is a huge cry for help, this is a, this is a real thing. This, so how close were you, do you think? Oh, uh, uh, if I hadn't have gotten off when I did, I would have done it. Right. Um, I... Um, have gone through various stages of being angry at myself for not doing it. Um, uh, you know, uh, you, no, I, nobody beats themselves up more than I beat myself up at that point in my life. Mm. Um, you know, I... One, one of the, it, the... Living in this country... And being suicidal in this country is a, 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 a good thing for me because it's very, very hard to kill yourself in this country. Um, and it's one of those things that it's... You've you got to really put the effort in. If you, if you, if you're, you need to do this and it's what you're going to do, there's no um and ah in... You've got to put some effort in. There's some stuff you've got to do. That isn't necessarily the case around the world. It can be a much more split-second decision in other countries than it can here. So I am very lucky that I live with these things in this country 
because if I was somewhere else, I wouldn't be here. And, and, and it wouldn't be that I had done it because on a suicidal night like that, it would be like on a, like a Tuesday afternoon because Morrison's didn't have the right ham. It was it's that kind of ridiculous sort of decision that I would have taken, yeah, and done it on a random day. So I'm lucky that I'm here. I say that without really meaning it because it implies that I'm that I, that I feel fortunate to be me, which I don't. But I, I'm just telling you my internal. That's yeah, what the guy I, goes I, in. He goes, "That's not a good thing." That's well, thank you, Dick. It's, I've spent enough time with you now to understand <laughs> where you're going from. I yeah, that. yeah. Um, it's it's very very yeah. The, the, it's the lonely, the loneliest place I've ever been is that time after you've asked for help and it's come back and you know that you got one or two things to do, which is ask for help and let everybody down, or don't and let everybody down. Because that's how it feels. It feels like the only... There is no upside. If you are a friend or family of me, yeah. I have to let you down now. Because it's back. So you have all been rooting for me. You've probably been, yes, that's great, great. We're all going forwards. I have, to, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that the feeling has come back. Just, you don't, you don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to tell you because look at how happy you are. Does it still come back now, Joe? Uh, the, the being Any suicidal thoughts? constantly. Yeah, I can't remember a day that I didn't think about killing myself. Not as a, a it's like on my it's like a ground level um, thing. It's my my brain goes there. With, with nothing, it yeah. makes no sense. Yeah, but there is, a, there are. It's it's different from it just saying it. And some days it's different. Some days it's uh, not a thought process; it's an instruction. And and it's those days that I have to go. Okay, you got to put in a little bit more effort now mm. because I, I I can tell the difference. But it's funny because I wanted to just sort of round things up and talk about day-to-day living and when things are peaking and they're very very difficult how do you do you, how does your mind work within a day if you get up in the morning and we all get up in the morning sometimes we go i'm really not up for today yeah i'm not up for it but you just know you know if i'm not having a great day and it's a completely different spectrum to obviously the, the the deep, deep discussion of what we're talking about now. I just go, well, look, I've just got to get through this day, and then tomorrow will figure itself out. We'll sort, we'll deal with tomorrow as and when it comes. But right now, I've just got a lot of stuff that I need to deal with on this day. Yes. Where? What do you do in that? How does your mind work from where you're coming from? The way that I deal with it, and I look at it, is on those days. Whatever it is, I mean, if my my brain telling me to kill myself and me being suicidal are different things. Being suicidal is 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 a mindset. It's not an event. It's a, it's just a way of 
my brain converses with me user, using it as a, as a like, bartering chip. Like, yeah. kill yourself now or not? You know, it, it sort of comes in with that first. And then when I go, no, it then shows me the middle of all the other stuff that I could pick. But I think that I... Now... I am aware that I don't pick thinking about killing myself. I um, can, you know, responsibility-wise, I can, you know, just divvy it up a little bit more. I didn't pick that. There are some things that I did do intentionally that I struggled to live with, but just me being open about that is, it helps me, helps me, you know, get through the day because like you say some days you do wake up and go i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to be me today because i'm i'm sick of me i'm everywhere i'm everywhere i go i'm there again i'm like why like just like a day when i'm not that's really and it's why i i it's it's why it's something that i've waited to do and talking about it publicly is something that I knew I had to wait until, wait until the right time because I know how inconsistent my head is. I know how my head doesn't need an excuse. Yeah. And I needed to wait until people that I didn't know knowing about it was a string on the bow of reasons to keep on living than using somebody that knows about it as a reason to take me away. Yeah. So I know now that there is a whole list of things that are positives because I've spoken about it in public. Mm. And they're things that I didn't, I didn't have before. Yeah. And I, I look at that as a positive in, in, in a... that I'm not on my own with it. Of course. But also, that, you know, I, that, that then comes the other way around, which is I'm on Twitter, I don't... Um, I don't do both sides of it necessarily. It doesn't mean that I'm not okay. I'm not a risk. You know, I'm not. But I understand, though, it's... All anybody ever wants is to be seen. I, that's all I ever want is I want people to, to... I want you to feel like you saw me, whoever you are, whoever's there. And I think that... I think that it's important to me when I do talk about it that I if somebody takes time to watch it and then talks to me, that I talk to them. I can't help them, mm. but I can go, hi, you're okay. So I'm sorry you feel like it, whatever. You know, again, I can't help. But if I can't do all of that, I don't talk about it that day. I don't go online and do that thing that I was talking about. Yeah. If I don't feel like I can respond to people you know, not, that sounds like a, a... You know, Do you know what I'm on about? I do I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I, of course. I, want, I want them to understand me. And that's... I, it's just what... It's never what I heard. I didn't... I never heard somebody say what I had. Mm. I, I, I'd never, ever heard that. And, um, and that's why... You know, I did it because I, I like I, I need to, to do it for me. I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to help anybody else with my story. No, <laughs> I'm not. It's not. I, 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 I wish I didn't have my story. I wish it wasn't a story. I, but I'm not. I don't do it because I want to help other people with my journey that I've been on. It's not. 
I know you don't, but I think it's really, really important that we, because of the subject matter of what we've talked about today, and it is as, it's, you know, I can't sugarcoat this, it's, it's as deep and dark as they come. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got a sense of, I think we've got a sense of responsibility when we're discussing this. And I know that you're not saying this, your story to help anybody else. You are doing this for you, and I think it's really important. But my just to end it here today with us, if anybody out there is listening to your story and they connect with it in any way or see anything in them that they're hearing from you... Mm. What do you think is their first step? Is their first thought? Is their first step after listening to this? Um, so, again, the difficult thing is, is it involves telling somebody else. In whatever manner that, that is, telling somebody else. Something that I still don't hear ever is anybody bringing up that what I just said about everybody being in your world after being alone with something for so long, everybody being with you, looking at you, wanting to help. Yeah. How alone you feel when it comes back. I've, n- I've never seen people talk about that, about that moment there, that, that, that period of time, how scary that is. I do know of a lot of, of people that have been in that period of time. Sure. And, you know, obviously what you hear from a lot of families and friends of people that, that have taken their own lives is that we thought they were all right. You know, if somebody, for, you know, for me, if somebody is, has had these things but is overly fine, is incredibly okay, and is like, no, no, it's fine, not a problem. That's, I'm going I'm to ask you again if you're all right. I'm going to say, do you want a coffee now? Not necessarily if you're threatening it because that's not in my makeup. But I, I'd want anybody in that place to know that they're not on their own. Yeah. Because you tell yourself you are and you hold yourself there. And it's because then you start to feel bad. You're giving yourself another reason to beat yourself up. Because everybody's looking at you, thinks you're, you're going to do okay, but you're not. So you're lying again. Joe. Thank you. Thank so you. Much Sorry. For on. Do you, you, <laughs> Thank you for everything. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm you fine. Feel, feel yeah, good yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Do you feel less nervous? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> Honestly, I really appreciate it. No, thanks for listening to no, me. No pleasure, man. That's what I do. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And another episode is done. Are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, hopefully now you understand why I tried to tread very carefully in the intro, because I wanted to give you certain uh, themes and aspects that we touched on with Joe's story, because, you know, we don't know um, what's going on in each other's lives and and where we are. And uh, look, if you have been affected, I just need to reiterate this, if you have been affected by any of those aspects or themes in, in Joe's story then I urge you to do speak to a professional, speak to the Samaritans, speak to somebody at Calm or Mind, um, and do seek help. 
Okay. Just remember you're not alone. So that is all from me for this week. I want to thank you for coming back and downloading and being here with us. It's great to have you back. And also a huge thank you to Joe for coming on and bearing his soul the way he did. You know, I was there with him and I'm sure you can hear in his voice, sometimes it's not easy for him to go back over those dark times, but he did. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful that he did. So until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Stay sound. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>